Hello and welcome to episode five of the Tea Break Club podcast. Yes. I feel like it is five. Yeah, thank you. At least you, at least someone knows. <laughs> the other voice that you are hearing is my very special guest, Rachel Gibson. Hello. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you today? I'm really good. Thank you very much for having me. Hey, it's, it's a pleasure. Honestly, mate, I knew as soon as I started doing this podcast that you'd be the perfect guest for this. Thank you. So tell me, tell me about yourself. So if I say to you, what is it that you, what is it that you do, Rachel? <laughs> what do I do? Um, so I've, I've got two jobs for those that know, don't know me. So I've ended up in a world of data and spreadsheets in sort of my, my nine to five job, if you like. Okay. Um, and then the other time I am at the gym and I've started coaching a little bit more there. So that's like what I do in the other half of my life. And that's the thing that I associate you with the most, because that's obviously how you and I met. Yeah. And that's the thing that, I mean, I mean I'm putting words in your mouth here, but that's the thing that strikes me that you love. I do. I absolutely love it. I don't know. I, I've always kind of been into fitness over my life and I don't know if it's just something that I've wanted to do forever and just never got the opportunity to do it, sort of going down an academic route. So I'm really thankful that it's sort of the opportunity presented itself. Yeah. Sort of now. Absolutely. Yeah. And you've you've competed as well, haven't you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just don't want to do it again. Really? Yeah. It's just, I don't mind doing the smaller ones, like our in-house ones, but yeah. it's just too much effort. I'm, pay, I'm paying to give myself anxiety. Yeah. Okay. Why would I do that? I can understand that. And I think yeah. it's like, a, like I certainly got into the kind of fitness that we do, the CrossFit stuff that we do, because it's kind of, there's a big social element to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the fact that you can be in and out in an hour. Yeah. As a busy person, I'm sure you understand as yeah. well. That it's great that you can go in, you can do these things, but you you feel like you're continually improving. Yeah. And we could talk forever about progressive overload, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like it's one of those things where the competitive element of it has never massively appealed to me um and I, I have never competed as you know um and I've ended up strangely doing the data driven stuff in the competitions that yes. we've done so in many ways I've inherited your role with that <laughs> but can you this is an interesting question for you mm-hmm. um can you remember how how we met specifically can you remember our first interaction not our very first no I, ca- I can't no. Either. no I don't we were just sort of I remember you and Dan signing up to the gym. Yeah. And then we just chatted. That was it. Yeah. We were just like, friends. Suddenly we are friends. <laughs> it's, I cannot remember a time when we were not friends. Yeah. I know that obviously that time did exist, but I feel like we got on quite quickly. We did. I think it was just such a small group of us then as well. It was hard not to just chat to people. But no, I don't ever really remember thinking, oh, do you know what? I've just spoken to Jeff for the first time today. Yeah, exactly. We were just like... Friend, yeah, that's the thing. Friends. And I guess the nature of the way that we train, particularly on Saturdays as well, is that there's probably there was probably a point where we were paired off in a pairs workout. Yeah, I think. imagine so. And that brings you closer to the person naturally, anyway, yeah. doesn't it? And I guess as we started talking, and you get to be, know people more, obviously, I think one of the things that we've sort of spoken about is we have started talking about books, we start talking about films, we start mm-hmm. talking about music. Um, and it strikes me that you are a music lover. I do. I love music. I love all sorts of music. I'm not. I'm not one of those people that could say the name of an album very, very well. And I'm not one of those people that could just sort of give you loads of facts about the artist. But I love listening to music. And especially when there's, I think I've said it to you before, when there's like melodies on, yeah. on tracks. It's not just sort of, I don't know how to say it without sounding daft. Well, no, sorry, of, that's that melody-driven thing. That's yeah. a big part of music because some people are quite lyric-driven, aren't yeah. they? Some people be like particularly... Um, when it comes to like rap and things like that, they'll go, well, that lyric really resonates with me and that's what I like listening to. And I, I listen to that to feel a certain way. Yeah. Whereas being melody driven is a, it's, you often find a lot of writers who are like that as well. You often find that people are either like, I love the vibe of this particular kind of music yeah. or I love the fact that that tune sticks in my head. Yeah. So you feel like you're drawn more towards music that has melody in it, right? Definitely. Yeah. So if I said to you, and I, I think I know the answer to this question, do you play or have you played a musical instrument at all? <laughs> why have you brought this up, Jeff? <laughs> I know the answer to this. That's why. <laughs> yes, I have. Um, year four, I chose the trumpet as Did my you? instrument of choice. I'd forgotten it was the trumpet. Yeah, so when you get given like, oh, who wants to play a musical instrument and take this home? I chose that. And I don't know why, because I feel like I'd have probably been... In my head now, I think I should have chosen the clarinet and I think I could have smashed it. That could have been... Interesting. What makes you think that... What makes you think that you'd have stuck with it? 
Oh, I if don't you know. Actually, I actually have got no idea. I Do mean, you like the sound of the clarinet? Yeah, I think it's lovely. Yeah, it's a great yeah. instrument. Absolutely. The woodwind. The woodwind section. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, big fan of the woodwind section generally. <laughs> no, I do. I love it. And then obviously, I, d- I tried to go through the grades for it and okay. that terrified me. And mm. I don't know why. So I'd learnt to read music okay. and felt quite comfortable doing it sort of with my music teacher. But as soon as she mentioned doing it sort of at a skilled level, I just it just absolutely scared the hell out of me. Well, I think I'm with you on that. And even though I did the grades up to a certain point with piano, I never did them for guitar. I know I've got a degree in music. I know that kind of supersedes a lot of that <laughs> stuff. But I tried to find a course at uni that would let me in without doing the grades. Yeah. Because I've always th- found the grades certainly would put me under a lot of pressure on that day. And I'm sure we've probably sat exams in the same building yeah. in the, what was it called? We used to Dainham, call, music um, school. Oh, God, it used to be called the William Appleby Centre. That's Santa. it. Yeah, and it's called something else now. Yeah. Um, and Dan was the same and there was like orchestra, wasn't there, you yeah. could go to there. Um, and there was really cold rooms in that old school. Oh, God. And it was nerve-wracking. It was a really nerve-wracking experience. And like with any exam, it's testing how you are on that particular day. Yeah. It's not necessarily indicative of your ability to play the instrument. Yeah. And it feels like, do you feel like that was what, why, why did you stop playing? I guess it's not a criticism. This, by no. the way, me, this ends with you getting <laughs> go and buy a trumpet. <laughs> you need to get back into it. Santa Claus. Um, <laughs> I can't really remember a point. I probably just had to give it back. Yeah, I probably just had to give it back, and then never, just couldn't ever see me doing it. I think I, again, I just went back to more sporting activities in sort of like my day to day because. Okay. I went to the orchestra on like a Saturday morning, like you and Dan did, and that is one of the most funny things in life yeah, that bizarre. we were all three of us in the same room at the same time yeah we didn't even know each other no that is strange it's brilliant um but i wish i had stuck with it but i think it was just it it had it de- had its day yeah did, did you ever play music that you liked i know that's a very strange question in a way but did you ever play any music that you actually liked listening to no now that's a big thing I no think. if i did if i had I might have stuck with it longer. But mm. I probably, do you know what? At the, at the time, I probably didn't even know how. I probably wouldn't, that wasn't even a, a thought no. to do that. You just, you just get given a piece of music or you just play what you did at orchestra and that was it. And you're assessed on your ability to play it, right? And, yeah. and that's it. And I think that's the sad thing about that early stage of music because it's like, I, I didn't love the piano. And that's going to sound like a strange thing to confess. I didn't necessarily like the lessons. I was getting better at it. Yeah. But it wasn't until I started to be exposed to artists who were good at playing the piano particularly like pop artists because yeah. we're playing like classical stuff and jazz stuff where i go oh i want to do that yeah i want to be able to do that and i imagine like in terms of the trumpet world there's loads of stuff out there there's oh, probably God. tracks on the album that we will talk about yeah that have trumpet parts in and you go actually if you'd have been exposed to that and you'd had that at that point you yeah. go that's that's what i want to contribute to that musical landscape yeah. if you whenever like. whenever i watch films and they've always got like if they've got a band in in the scene and especially sort of old time sort of jazz bands and the, the trumpet always sticks out because i just think that sounds yeah. amazing yeah and then i feel bad that i didn't i didn't carry on do you think it's partly like a yorkshire thing with brass as well <laughs> do you think there is that in your Bold blood as brass. exactly yeah. <laughs> and going to cusworth hall to see brass bands yeah. i used to in fact not cusworth hall i used to go to um is it brodsworth hall yes it's like on a sunday yeah. you always have some kind of x oh, um, pit band that. there um, they still do it every now and then. Oh, we should um, go. If, it, yeah. if, we, if it's there, we'll go. And we should picnic. You know. <laughs> <laughs> we should picnic at Brodsworth. <laughs> Have a turn about the garden. Stop it. <laughs> so <sighs> when it obviously didn't stop you listening to music and loving no. music, do you go to a lot of gigs? No. Oh, my God. So I didn't go to a gig very, very, very late on in life. Okay. I think I was 23 before I went to my first gig. What was it? Maroon 5. Nice. Okay, that directly links to the <laughs> other podcast. How bizarre is that? No way. What was it like? Weird. Like, I know that sounds a strange thing to say, but I've never been to a gig before. Didn't really know what you did, because every time you see sort of videos, everyone sort of looks like they're living the best life and dancing yeah. about. And I was like, how do you behave at a gig? <laughs> but I really liked it. I was, it was quite a quiet one as well, so I was really close to the stage. Okay. And hearing his voice live, I was just like, wow, you yeah. are insane. He's and great, isn't he? He's really good. And I think he had Robin Thicke opening for him as yeah. like his support act, because I don't think he was big in the UK at the time. Okay. But that was my first gig, and I really enjoyed it. And I haven't been to many more 
I haven't been to many more since. Have you got any booked? Yes. So next weekend in June, I am going to see Sam Fender. Oh, amazing. At St. James's Park, which is going to be absolutely oh, quality. Fantastic. And then driving back down and then on the next day, I'm going to see Arctic Monkeys in Hillsborough. What a weekend that is. Oh, no. That's amazing. Who do I think I am? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. To be fair, if you're going to say, like, I haven't been to gigs and you're doing those two together... To the untrained eye, it would look like you were seasoned at that, right? That is a deliberately well-engineered weekend. I know, I can't, I actually can't wait. Yeah. But what, two, two again, two very, very different artists, I think. Yeah. Sam Fender and Arctic Monkeys, but what a quality, both, both events are just going to be quality. Absolutely. Yeah, so excited. And I guess it's guitar-driven music as well. Yeah. Which kind of leads us on to the album that we want to talk about, yes. slash the artist that we want to talk about. Yes. And the album is... Heavier Things mm-hmm. by John Mayer. Now, we've talked about John Mayer a lot, yeah. uh, just in, in passing. And I know that in recent years when he's brought out new music and stuff like that, we've sort of shared it with each other and mm-hmm. said, oh, have you heard this? It's great. And um, I, I particularly remember us listening to uh, Last Train Home. The ballad like version. Yes, absolutely the ballad version of Last Train Home. Yeah. Um, and if if I say to you, um, like, what is it that you like about John Mayer? <laughs> I know that's a very vague question. Uh, and it... I have had this conversation with other people before. Some people can't quite put the finger on what it is they like about John Mayer. But do you like the fact that it's guitar music? Do you like his voice? I like... I like it's probably more guitar-driven. Again, it's the music musical side of it rather than... He's a great singer and he's really soft. It's nice, easy listening. I always feel relaxed whenever I, can, whenever I listen to him. Okay. Usually, I usually do John Mayer when I'm cooking. Interesting. All the time. So it's just it's just a nice on it in the background. Yeah. But yeah, it's just instant relax. And I, I had a funny it. feeling you were gonna say when you were cooking, actually. <laughs> I don't know why, but I just had this feeling that you're gonna say, I listen to John Mayer when I'm cooking, because so do I a lot of the oh. time. He's one of these people where um I got into him a little bit later than um other people mm. possibly did. And when I was at uni, I don't know um like whether it was it certainly was the same around here like when i was gigging when i was about 16 yeah if you went into a bar in doncaster there's a high probability that the band were playing a particular cover a particular song and it was always the trooper by iron maiden right always it was just a a song that was covered there was a chance a band will have it in their set when i went to uni the song that everyone was covering was Neon. Oh, right. And I don't, I'd never heard of John Mayer before that yeah. point. Um, the, uh, one of my friends who was a bass player had introduced me to the, the Live at the Nokia Theatre album. Yeah. You know, the one that's got the version of Free Fall. Yeah. It? And I'd heard that and a couple of other tracks on that, but I'd not paid a huge amount of attention to it. And then everyone's playing Neon. I'm not even kidding. I was sat there one night, Rach, and three successive bands came on and did three different versions of Neon. And I was like, what am I missing here from this song? Yeah. And from, and from this artist. And the thing that struck me about it, it was, was it was like very complex guitar. Yeah. But also quite poppy music. And I guess that's what kind of drew me towards it, yeah. certainly. Oh, God. I, I, it's quite hard. I'm quite curious now. I want to know what the covers sounded like. Were they at least good? Because I think that's quite a hard song to... It is a hard song to, to play. cover. And it's And it's, I think... I've heard full band versions of it mm. where it was very much like it is on uh, Room for Squares, where yeah. it is like you'd expect it where you've kind of got a drummer and a bass player joining. And I think that's a lot of what makes that song great. But um, I heard a lot of people doing like the acoustic version of it where they're doing all the kind of tappy, yeah. Newton Faulkner-esque kind of stuff. Um, did you ever get into him? Did you ever get into Newton Faulkner? Uh, a little bit. I t- again, I tried to, f- I followed him slightly, but again, he just... I don't think he brought anything out for a while that really sort of made me stick to him. And I just thought, it was not, he's a great singer. Yeah. But, nah. Because that's, that's really interesting because it's like, to me, with my guitar playing head on, if I were to say to you, right, the most complicated pieces I've learned to play were by John Mayer, him, mm-hmm. um, people like Mark Knopfler, you, you, I put them in the same bracket, yeah. if that makes sense. But John Mayer has always managed to make that, that kind of music, that yeah. complicated stuff, very appealing on a on a mass level if that makes sense it's not even like he's got tons of sex appeal like he's like oh my god i fancy john mayer so i'm gonna listen to his music it's not even that it's just really that's interesting because i know a lot of people who do find him attractive but also specifically say that his voice is very attractive Mm, no no fun fact for you when he was at um music college he wasn't fond of his own voice that's strange, isn't it? And that's why he got really good at the guitar because yeah. he thought, as a pop musician, that he would need something that would stick. That yeah. People would go, "Wow, well, I don't like his voice, but I love <laughs> his guitar playing." But I know a lot of people who pay more attention 
to his voice. I yeah. think he's got a nice voice. It's, it's can be quite breathy, can't it? He's like a he's like a speak speak singer. Yeah, that make if that makes any sense at Absolutely, all. Absolutely, he's not. Yeah. Um, yeah, not very. The tone probably isn't there all the time. Yeah, he's not like comparing him to someone like Sam Fender. Yeah, for example, there is a bit more depth there, yeah. isn't there? Um, so we've chosen the album Heavier Things, and we've chosen it very arbitrarily because Heavier Things is is related to what we lift at the gym. Yes, <laughs> when you said that as well, I was like, that is a brilliant segue, and that is why you're in charge of the podcast. Perfect, <laughs> <laughs> and that's why you have a podcast. <laughs> but that is we've chosen that album, but I think. It's his second album. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't know this until I literally opened the Wikipedia page twenty minutes ago. <laughs> and we've spoken about Room for Squares at length, mm-hmm. haven't we? Yep. Spoken, and we've already spoken about Neon. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know this was his second album, but the song on this that sticks out to me mm-hmm. is Daughters. I can't believe you just said that. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. And it, yeah. To, to me, I don't know what the singles were. Off. It off feels this completely album. different to everything else on the album. Yeah. It does, absolutely. Yeah. And the rest of it kind of feels more like, um, what's the next album? Well, the next album is Continuum. I thought the next album was Battle Studies. Oh, I don't even, I wouldn't even know where that was in the lineup, to be fair. So Continuum is the one with obviously Slow Dance in the Burning Room, yeah. uh, Gravity, etc. Yeah. That to me is where John Mayer, that's like his, not his peak as he, such. He peaked at Continuum. He peaked at, John Mayer peaked at Continuum. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> but... Interestingly, it was the th- uh, daughters was the third single on the album, yeah. um, which was um, it surprised me in terms of the order of things with um, the Maroon Five album I talked mm. about it last time. The first one was bigger than my body. Doesn't jump out as a single to me. No, it doesn't. Mm. And the second one was Clarity. Clarity. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't take, even... take three syllable words sing them against gravity you got yourself a new John Mayer song it's fantastic we are rewriting history here today I can't, I, every time I even look at the, the title that is like a little earworm I, I just... it's working against me <laughs> I can't help it it's involuntary but the... <laughs> I literally can't help it but I don't know if uh, I don't know if you knew this. Uh, someone told me this, and it might be total urban myth. But do you know how he suddenly became quite famous? No. So allegedly, he was one of the first people to be featured uh, as an um, like album of the week on iTunes. Really? Yeah. And it was just at that point when everyone was ticking over to that. Uh-huh. So and, and there was a point. I don't know if you remember where uh, were you an ipod user That's yes a, okay you were yeah. good. which ones did you have um i had just uh, i had a really nice sort of a metallic purple ipod the really slim ones all oh, right okay i think it i think it had a small screen so it wasn't was it the nano that's did it. it curve off at the it end did. A bit? Oh, i had an ipod nano amazing i think that, that's probably the only one i had yeah and maybe the early oh, the earlier version you know just like solid metal yes <laughs> the, yeah the, the, the classic as yeah. they called it yeah They're the only two I had and then I guess everyone moved to phones then didn't they and that was it yeah redundant that was a strange transition time as well because like certainly like when um, when I got my first iPhone it didn't have the capacity to hold what my iPod was I think I had like a 16 gigabyte phone yeah but then there was the point where you started to not have to download everything you could just stream it but I still used to keep my iPod Classic in the car. Uh, so I'd like just plug it straight in. and um, so I used to have it, it in the Merc, didn't you? I didn't have it in the Merc, oh. actually. I never had it in the Merc, but I did have it in the car before. Yeah. Um, because it was a sort of thing where you could just keep it plugged in and not really worry about it. It would just shuffle yeah. all the songs. But I stopped doing that a few years ago. Um, and I don't know where it is now. Oh, but, that's a shame. But it's weird how our phones have kind of replaced that point because it was like, I know at school, when you were buying an iPod, you had to think about how much space you needed. Yeah. And like, particularly among like, my friend Joe, who was a drummer, and he used to sit and play along to a lot of stuff on his iPod. He used to make sure he got like the biggest capacity going. <laughs> so it'd be like 160 yeah. gigabytes, because he'd need it for all the music that yeah. he had. Whereas 16 gigabyte on a on an iPhone was laughable, really. Yeah. Because you you'd have to choose which songs you wanted on there. <laughs> I wasn't about that. I was on about the, you know, you go all, yeah. sync. Put them all on there. Imagine if you just pick your favourites, then you'd be bored of them, and then you'd be like, oh, I've got to take these off now. And this, I imagine, and this is funny, because people of the CD generation are probably laughing at this, because they'd <laughs> literally have to go and pick their favourites. They'd <laughs> yeah. have to go and write, well, that's the CD, that one. Same with vinyl. Whereas yeah. We don't really know we're born, do we, when no. we come to this stuff? Like, realistically, like if we wanted to listen to any song on this album now, we don't have to go to HMV in town and button oh. out. Oh, hello, have you got a copy of Heavier Things? <laughs> yeah. We can literally just go and stream it straight away. Yeah. Um, and I think, to be fair... 
as a as a slight tangent there, I think that was what has made discovering artists later in my life a lot easier. So like when you when you cook at home, mm-hmm. you listen to John Mayer. What do you do? Do you do you say I'll listen to this specific album, or do you just say, hey, it's... hey Amazon product, <laughs> <laughs> hey item that we can't say for advertising reasons? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, well, not only that, but you'll set off the nine thousand I have in my house. <laughs> it's usually just shuffle. It's usually just a shuffle mode. I'll just say play John Mayer and just you like to your it. this is playlist. Yes. Yeah. The only thing with that is sometimes you don't get to hear some of the more obscure tracks because yeah. it'll only play sort of like the most popular ones. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's usually just a shuffle. And then it's just nice because you don't know what order is going to come up. You don't know what you're going to have on. And yeah. it's just really good. And then sometimes you just be, I'll be cooking the veg, having a good old sing song. And then mm. other times it's just, I'll literally just stop and listen to John Mayer for a little lovely voice for a second. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel, I feel on that. And I feel like the This Is playlists on mm. Spotify are great for that, to give you that kind of, this is what, if you're going to listen to a cross section of this artist, this is what you listen to. Yeah. But... I think it's really interesting that we've sent each other songs and albums that are out, probably outside of that. So mm. my favourite John Mayer album is probably his first one, Room oh, for really? Squares. I love it because there's a kind of a, there's a rawness to it. Mm. I think um, No Such Thing is probably, if I'm being honest, one of my, if not my favourite yeah. John Mayer song. And when I saw him live, he played it. Uh, and I was like, I can't believe that you've picked this, a song that is, yeah, it's an opening track on your first album, but he brought out Search for Everything at that point. Yeah. It was the album before this one and he's going to play that he's going to play his hits and he was like and he even said oh that's a new song as a joke yeah um and i was like i can't believe he's played that i'm so pleased that he's done that but i think that continuum mm-hmm. and um what's the other uh, paradise valley are the only yeah. ones that i would listen to end to end as albums yeah. i would do what you do i would shuffle john mayer um, and just hope that you get the things that you like. Yeah. Um, because there's a lot of stuff like, um, when I think with this album, with listening to it over the last week in the hope <laughs> that I can get it in my head, the song that I always come back to on this album is Daughters. Like it's lovely. It's yeah. really nice. And again, that that is one song where the lyrics, do, you actually do pay attention to the lyrics and it's like, wow, what a lovely, what a lovely sentiment. Yeah, absolutely. And why, why do you think that resonates with you? Um... I guess it just makes me think of my parents. Like then the way you, it just makes me think about the way you brought up, and you're like, "Wow, that is some powerful stuff, John." Yeah, absolutely. I feel, I feel on that actually. I think there's a there's something about it in the lyric in that, and there's um, um, uh, the the middle eight in particular is I yeah. think the strongest bit. That you know the um, boys you can break, find out how much they can take, but girls yeah. carry on. Uh, they'll be strong. They'll be gone without warning, etc. There's something about that. It's just a really nice yeah. lyric, isn't it? And yeah. Not only that, but it's. Um, I think in terms of the fact that it's it's one of those songs musically that kind of flows over you. Yeah, it does. I just I don't know I don't know much about his personal life if he's got like sisters or what what made him write that. But I'm, yeah, I'm just intrigued by it. That's really interesting because I think he has brothers, mm. and the reason why I say that is on Room for Squares there is a song called 1983. Yeah, and he references his brother Ben. Yeah. And he says, but then he references his other brother and he says he's just like his brother, John. So he's obviously referencing himself. Yeah. So I think he might have two brothers. He at least has one brother. We know he's got one brother. We can confirm from the lyrics. But (laughs) again, you don't know with a writer how much of that... Is even true. Is true, yeah. Yeah. And there have obviously been, like, John Mayer's dating a lot of famous people. Uh, You know, I, I think... You could go through and be like, he, he obviously was with Taylor Swift. Yeah. He was with Katy Perry. Yeah. Uh, Jennifer. I was just about to say Jennifer Aniston Jennifer as well. Aniston. Yeah. That's the one that always kind of like surprises me. Yeah. yeah. Bit of a strange one, that. But there are some songs on these albums. I know that like uh, Half of My Heart on, wow, is that? I'm not sure. No, That's with know. Taylor Swift. Wow. And I remember listening to Paradise Valley for the first time. The song yeah. called Who You Love. That's with oh, Katy Perry. Yeah. And... I'm like, hang on, whose voice is that? Yeah. Why do I recognise that? And then you go, ah, yes, they dated kind of thing. Yeah. But really interestingly, on that, there is a song called Paper Doll. Um, do you know Paper Doll? Yes. Now, that allegedly was about Taylor Swift. Oh. But he said that it isn't. And it's the only song that he's openly spoken about and said, this is not about a person. And he always says, and I find this quite interesting, I sacrificed 
no, I, I gave up paper doll to sacrifice, sacrifice that to save the rest. Oh. So he was basically saying, I will never openly discuss who my songs are about. Yeah. But I will tell you that that one is not about Taylor Swift. So that's the only song that he's yeah. talked about subject matter. And you kind of go like, who you love? If he's singing it with Katy Perry, it's a love song. Yeah. Self-explanatory. Yeah, it's kind of a classic Disney duet kind of <laughs> vibe, right? You go, oh, well, they're singing about each other. And you go, great, there's no secret there. Yeah. But with everything else, he's never actually directly said, oh, this is about my relationship with this person. This is how I feel about that person. Yeah. Whereas, obviously, Taylor Swift wrote a song called Dear John. And that's pretty <laughs> transparent, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like if that isn't about John Mayer, <laughs> yeah. then I'll be very, very surprised. God, it's just I just find it what I don't understand, and again it comes back to his looks, how he gets all these attractive women, because to me he looks a little bit scruffy. Interesting. He's a tall guy. Is he? Yeah, he's very, very tall, actually, to oh. the point where it's like even being sat at the back of the O2 <laughs> arena, you're like, wow, that is a tall guy. He's man. a giant. And not only that, but you can always tell with um the size of the guitar he's got on him. You always go like that, that. It's like if I hold the guitars that he's got, I look tiny. How strange is it that I didn't know guitars came in different sizes? You're kidding me. There's two in this room. I don't... <laughs> I didn't you, know they were built for a person's size. Oh, well, they're not built for a person's size. Oh, they're but, not bespoke. No, not, you, you can get bespoke ones. <laughs> right. But, um, and there are ones that come a little bit shorter. Yeah. Um, and they're not necessarily for children. Obviously, you can get <laughs> children's guitars. But there are shorter scale ones. Yeah. But generally speaking, like, say, for example, and I'm sorry, listeners, that I'm having to describe this. I'm, <laughs> I'm currently looking at a Epiphone Casino Coupe, which has got a slightly larger body than a Tokai Les Paul, which you can see behind yeah. the amplifier there. That, those ones are, are a little, got a little more depth because they're almost like acoustic guitars. They've kind yeah. of got, they are bigger, yeah. but you can get ones that go even broader that way. Right. But the ones, that, the type of guitars that he plays if like you were to pass it to different people, you'd obviously get a sense of scale, but it's like the guitars that he plays are like a normal size guitar, yeah. if you like. And he stands there with them and he looks tall with one. Wow. So, yeah. Mountain of a man. Absolutely. I think he must be at least, let's check this. I think Shall he's at check? least six foot four. No. I think he's at least six foot four. Um, is that, again, this is going to be a really be stupid a... statement, but on his album covers, he doesn't look tall, does he? I no. know you, you, get no, you get no sort of concept of his size from that but i always just thought it'd be like average average height so he is 1.9 meters so. <laughs> <laughs> how, how helpful is that to us six foot two and Ooh. three quarters well done john there we go yeah well done you've done all the growing <laughs> but yeah he's in fact there is a i can't really turn the screen but there is a picture of him playing the guitar and you can see that he looks quite tall right. with that particular guitar yeah. you know what i promise i'll show you in a bit <laughs> thank you um but yeah, I think there's. He's a very talented musician, mm. and I think maybe that that's part of the attraction yeah. as well. He's quite a funny guy as well. I don't know if you know. He's he's actually kind of done stand up comedy and oh, stuff. No, I didn't. He's know. a very big friend of Dave Chappelle. Uh-huh. Um. So, and I think there has been points where he's actually done like you know like when they do those like low key comedy nights. Yeah. Um. He was also friends with, um, really good friends with the chap from, um, Full House slash Fuller House. Um, I can't remember his name. He, he died last year quite young. I've um, drawn a blank at that. Who's yeah, that? Um, but oh, I can't remember his name. Um, but he he's very good friends with him, so he's got yeah. kind of connections to the comedy world. And seeing him live, he, he wasn't obviously like standing with the microphone in between jokes. Well, let me tell you a joke. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't, it's like, I've got my audience here. I filled the O2 arena. Now now's as good as any time to try this joke out. He wasn't doing like a Bill Bailey thing as well. Like, here's a song from the perspective of a troll. Oh. You know? <laughs> I feel like he's just missed his opportunity now. That would have been fantastic. Absolutely. Well, I like him a bit more now. Yeah, and, and to be honest with you, if you watch any interviews with him, he's a very personable mm. chap. Um, and I think like one of my friends who's a big John Mayer fan summed it up and said that it's like when it comes to him and his personality and the music that he creates, you either get it or you don't. Yeah. Um, and clearly you're a person. I get it. You get it, yeah. yeah. And this is it. If you know, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So in... If we stray away from this album, mm-hmm. which other songs jump out to you as being ones that resonate with you? So let, let's go with resonate with you rather than, oh, these okay. are my favourites. Obviously, things can resonate with you for different reasons. But which other ones resonate with you? Oh, I don't... I think it is the ballad version of Last Train Home. Yeah? I don't know, I don't know why, but I absolutely love it. I think it's my favourite song of his. Really? Yeah. 
Okay. I just heard it and I was just like, I love this version. Yeah, I certainly prefer it to the original. Yeah, miles better. Because the original's, original's good, but it's very much like a, the thing that always surprised me about it, considering he had like a big break between um, Search for Everything and that, was it's not a particularly guitar-heavy song. No. No, but I remember when we when we shared it. Is that the one where he does like a four-minute solo in it? And we were yeah. like, oh, Yeah, crack on. Not my socks <laughs> off. <laughs> John, who hurt you? You know? <laughs> But that's, I think, yeah, that's what, that's my go-to. If I ever want to really enjoy it, I'll be like, that's going on. Okay, interesting. What's yours? I, oh, well, that's a really good question. Um, apart, if I, if I exclude no such thing and say that that's, that's my favourite, mm-hmm. I think the one that resonates with me the most would probably be um, Walt Grace's Submarine Test from... Um, it's on Paradise Valley, I think. Oh, no, it's on Born and Raised. Um, and it's not one that's likely to come up yeah. on the This Is playlist. But it's almost like a little folk song. Mm. Um, and it's just the story of a man yeah. who builds his own submarine and goes off to sea. And all his friends think he's not going to succeed. And the, the, the song basically takes you through that narrative of being like locked away, reading all his books, learning yeah. how to make this submarine. And then the middle verse is like him going into the sea in this submarine. And the final one is like his wife receiving a call saying that he's he's made it to Japan in this submarine. Oh, wow. And then the final bit is it's like uh, his friends. It's like, it's such a great lyric, such a lovely song. I can't, I don't think I've heard that you song. Need, you need to yeah. hear this song. But it's like the last bit is basically him saying like his friends bring him up when they're drinking the bar with his name on the side and, yeah. and and it's and it's just like this man who's obviously taken this risk to do this wonderful thing with his life and gone you know what I'm I'm going to build a submarine I'm going to go to Japan but it's like it's very very different to a lot of other John Mayer songs yeah. it, the guitar and it's lovely because he's a great guitar player but it's the lyric and it's the way that it's kind of it's one of these songs that like in a strange way I've always come back to it at some of the lowest points yeah in, in my life where if I'm finding things a little bit challenging I listen to Walt Grace's submarine test because I go yeah okay you know you go right what is my submarine yeah you know, <laughs> you know do you know what, what I mean? is my that's a great question yeah what yeah. is my submarine yeah what is my submarine and what am I going to do with that particular thing and I think it's one of those songs that kind of makes you think about what your ambition is yeah um in the same way that a lot of other there are I think he's a great pop writer yeah. I think he's a great at writing those things like Last Train Home is a great pop song to me because it's like it could be about anyone yeah right and it's something that you can relate to but but the strange thing about What Grace of Submarine Test is it's very specific but you can relate it to yourself to your own life yeah, yeah. however you interpret it I'm too invested now in the story does he come back from Japan yeah he does absolutely yeah did I, it just leave his wife and <laughs> yeah that's it bye <laughs> yeah that's the end of the song yeah but yeah I think, I think I'll, I'll, play, I'll play you it after this actually because oh, yeah, I think you'll, yeah I think you'll I think you'll like it because mm. it is just a nice narrative because I know that you're a, a musical theatre fan as well yes very um, much and I'm not suggesting it's like a musical theatre song but I think the songs that always stand out to me the most are the ones with stories in them. Yeah. Um, and I don't know whether that's something that... Absolutely. I completely agree. Because it's mm. like, as, as individual, like, and that to me is like, you talk about melody. Mm. You've got to have a good melody with things. Yeah. Things have got to like, your story's important, but, and you know, and obviously you can kind of maybe reduce that sentiment when it comes to rap and stuff mm-hmm. like that and say that you can convey, you know, story through rap yeah because obviously you know you can <laughs> because you can right we were pointing to the hamilton picture there we go for the, there. that's what we're pointing to a listeners <laughs> hamilton original broadway cast <laughs> cover um shout out to lynn when lynn manuel miranda if you're listening today of course <laughs> as i know you are um he gave me a text beforehand <laughs> uh, uh, he didn't actually just to confirm <laughs> sad times, sad times. Yeah. but yeah i think the like story is great and you can yeah. convey that but obviously that, that's it's kind of got a gel and cement yeah. and had up together and I think John Mayer is very good at that yeah um someone I've used this before I've used this as a, a thing but people say that uh songs should be like Swiss watches in How the sense that like they, they they appear simple in the function but under the surface there's a lot of moving parts yeah. that make that simplicity work in the sense that we kind of take it for granted that it just moves around and tells us what times it is but when yeah. you take it off there's so many little tiny parts tiny little parts tiny tiny, tiny parts <laughs> that make it what it is. Yeah. Um, and I think he's very, very good at that. I think John May is very good at making concise songs without having to go into a lot of depth. I th- One thing that you don't always realise is sometimes when you're listening to John Mayer is that you forget that 
he like like he's playing the guitar because so, a lot of the time you listen to an album or an artist, they usually have a band and you just take it for granted and you're like, somebody else is doing that and they're just singing. Mm. And John Mayer can, he can do it all. And it's, it's so impressive. When you actually stop and think about it, you're like, wow, that is impressive that he can do both. Absolutely. And I think he surrounds himself with a lot of great musicians. I don't know how much you know about the band that he'll take out with him and the producers he's worked with. No. Um, but he works with a bass player called Pino Palladino. What a name. A, a great name and an absolutely amazing bass player. He was a Welsh guy. Yeah. Uh, and he was famous for playing on, do you know um, the Paul Young song, Wherever I Lay My Hat? Yes. From the 80s. So that slidey, fretless bass sound, that was Pino Palladino and that's what made him famous. Uh-huh. And since then he's played on a lot of, a lot of people's stuff is like a, what, a session player, as you might yeah. call it. He goes in and plays on people's records and people go, I want that sound. And he gets called in to do that. So he tends to tour with John Mayer and he's played on a lot of his records. Mm. Uh, the main producer slash drummer who's worked with him is a guy called Steve Jordan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Steve Jordan started off as one of the SNL musicians um, and he was actually in one of the iterations of the Blues Brothers band. Right. So he's he's been like a really big drummer. And when yeah. Charlie Watts from the Rolling Stones died, he replaced him in the Rolling Stones. So wow. that gives you an idea of the calibre of this yeah. musician. But he's a fantastic drummer, but he's a fantastic musician and producer as well. And I think um, he didn't work on... Um, uh, it, the Heavier Things was produced by a guy called... Um, Jack Joseph Puig, who is known as JJP in the industry, and he's a famous mixing engineer. Yeah, it's spelled P-U-I-G. Puig. Puig. I think that's how you say it. I've always said it like the that. The smile on your face as you were saying that smirk of spread. Because it looks like pig and it also looks like pug. So Puig, Puig. Maybe Puig? But he's known as JJP, right? Pig pug. Pig pug, right? <laughs> but Continuum was produced by Steve Jordan. Right. And you can... To me, there's a big leap mm. in terms of the quality of his music after that. And Steve Jordan, I was lucky enough to see when I saw John Mayer play live, there was Steve Jordan on the drums and Pino Palladino on yeah. the bass. Wow. And now, I don't know if you know, you know the live album at the Nokia Theatre. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a the stuff that's called the John Mayer Trio, yeah. where it's like the kind of slightly more rough, bluesy stuff. Yep. That's them three. Oh, so I wow. saw them three, and it was absolutely amazing. But they are like, collectively, the three of them, you can think that it's like if it's just drums, bass, guitar, and vocals, and they've got this massive sound. Yeah. There's there's a lot going on yeah. there. There's there's a lot of talent in those three people. Um, and I can't remember the guy's name, but um, his rhythm guitarist and his backing, he's like a backing vocalist as well, is an artist in his own right as well. Um, and when I saw him, they did when they did Slow Dancing in a Burning Room, yeah. he played one of his own songs and it led into Slow Dancing. And it was one of those moments where when it kicked in, you were like, oh, Wow, that was amazing. And he's amazing. But like if you looked across the stage at all the people that were in his band, yeah. all of them have got their own careers and are asked to play on things and, and add those things in. So I think he surrounds himself with a lot of people who improve the work that he does. But yeah. as a producer, uh, working with Steve Jordan, I think it's like, like Continuum to me is the first really great album that he does. And it's like... Yeah. Um, like there's um is it obviously Michael Jackson's Thriller? Mm-hmm. I think the f- like there are five tracks on that that got to number one. Wow! Like or it might even be more to be honest with you. Yeah. And you go, there aren't many people who have done stuff like that. I think there are quite a few people who have had lots of top tens. Yeah, but like not that. from the same album. But Continuum, um, has got. Go on, drop me a fact. So let's have a look. Let's see what so the singles on that are. Waiting on the world to change. Yeah. Belief. Mm-hmm. Gravity. In fact, Slow Dance in the Burning Room was not a single on that album. Even though that, to me, is like the quintessential John Mayer song. It's the one that where you go, if you play that to people, go, yeah, I know that's John Mayer. Yeah. You know? Do you like that song? I do like it. It's probably not one that I'd go, again, it's probably not one of my go-tos. Interesting. I don't know why. It's just not. It's the first one I had to learn that. Oh, really? Yeah, I played it um, for one of, one of my friends was doing a, a thing at uni. It was like, well, you play the guitar on this. And I was like, yeah, sure, what's the song? And that was the first one I had to to learn what track is it again i'm terrible with sort of linking the name to it where he's talking about is the gate code still your birthday oh i don't know i don't oh. know oh let me i'd sing for you but uh i won't ruin it <laughs> shot in the dark yeah I and that. that is from the most recent one isn't it yeah um and i think there's the, the song that stands out to me on that on sob rock is um i guess i just feel like Oh, that's a good song. It's great. Isn't yeah. It? Not only that, but that trails off into a guitar solo at the end as well. He's <laughs> got he's got a theme. <laughs> that has got a similar vibe to the um 
the ballad version of Last Train Home. Yeah. Actually, and I wonder that whether that's why there's a bit of a distinction there because otherwise they kind of mold into each other. Yeah. No, it is a good song. I really do like that one. But yeah, I mean that, and again that output from more uh, recently from Sob Rock. I think it's like even though it, it, this is not a criticism. It feels like a selection of singles. How? Because there's not, sure not a common there's not a common theme in the sense that right. the songs feel quite detached from each other. So how well do you know um, 1989, the Taylor Swift album? How well do you know that? Not not very well. I wouldn't be able to sort of name you some of the tracks on it. But... So that was the one that had blank space, right? Okay, yeah, on it, and I can't remember any of the other songs on it. But would it have been like 2022. 20, Is it that sort of? No. No. So it was a little bit earlier than... No. But what did it else? Did it have on it? That that album in particular has a bit of a theme. It's quite synth-driven. Yeah. Uh, whereas Red was quite guitar-driven. You can sort of go, okay, those songs, even though they are different songs, yeah. it feels like an album as a whole. A little bit like AM. Let's yeah. talk, you know AM, right? Yes. AM is, is very much the kind of like, it's that fuzzy guitar tone. It's, yeah. There's not many acoustic tracks on it. But, and you go, right, that's an AM track. I can pick that out a yeah. miles away. I feel like this sob rock could have gone, ah, well, that's a single from that album. It's a single from that album. Like like a greatest hits yeah, almost. Ex- exactly, yeah. yeah. And I think like, say, um, so Last Train Home being quite synth in 80s and quite open, it's almost like a yeah. Kenny Loggins kind <laughs> yes. of track, right? But then you go into something like, I guess I just feel like, and that's very acoustic guitar driven. Yeah. You go, what do those two songs have in common? And the only thing is, it's a John Mayer song. Yeah. I mean, what else is on that album? Um, it's, it's strange that you say that though, because I quite like it when an album is a bit all over the place. I like that you don't know what's going to be coming next. Do I, you? I, yeah, I like the variety of it because sometimes I think, God, all the tracks sound the same. Like you're saying, there's like an under underlying sort of either guitar piece or something. I like something to sound different. Interesting. Because mm. that, that's the sort of thing where it's like, I think it's a decision that musicians try and make. Yeah. Where they go, this is, this is going to be totally different. It's going to go off in all these different directions. Yeah. But... A lot of people, I, I know certainly with albums that I've made myself, I've even limited what guitars I will play and what amplifiers I will use wow. because I'll go, well, I want to use this like palette. Yeah. So that you go, sure, okay, I could play slower, I could play quicker, I could be talking about two different things, but you'd go, those two things connect because you even if you don't know, your brain goes, yeah, that's that. Yeah. Um, or I'll not use two different drummers because, you know, you could use two different drummers and get two different experiences. Yeah. But... That's really interesting that you you like the slightly more, um, what can we call it? says a lot about my personality. <laughs> well, I think it's, to be fair, I think it's a lot of people when they make albums might do it like this. So I think it's more of a modern thing to create singles yeah. and put things out. But I like, take for example, the album that you told me to listen to, the, the most recent Sam Fender one, yeah. right? I think that's quite a cohesive piece of work. That doesn't feel like singles to me. No, no, he's, that, he's done really well at that. He does it. Hmm. But Lenny, to be to be fair, if we're using sob rock as a thing, that is new light and shoot shouldn't matter, but it does. Yeah, like two very different songs. They right? are. <coughs> Excuse me. Excuse you. <laughs> very dare I. <laughs> <laughs> but I could tell that you didn't even want to talk about that album as well because you're like, pick your favorite, pick pick your favorite album. Yeah. And you were just like, let's just pretend Sub Rock doesn't exist. Yeah. I just instantly <laughs> tell that you just didn't it's like not, it. It's not that I don't... It's, right. Not Mad on Wild Blue. Yeah. Shot in the Dark is fantastic. Yeah. And the music video is very funny. <laughs> yes, right? it is. I think it's great. And that's his We all sat and watched that at my house, I think. Yeah, yeah, we did. And you go, what? That's great. Um, Carry Me Away is a nice song. Yeah. Um, Till the Right One Comes kind of feels a bit like Last Train Home. There are mm. songs that link up together. Yeah. Um, but it, I think my favourite is most recent ones is Search for Everything. I just love um, uh, Love on the Weekend. Yeah. It's just a nice... It just again, makes you want to sing it, doesn't it, Sue? Yeah, exactly. I'm not... I can't it just there. makes you want to sing it. And now we will. <laughs> <laughs> Join in, everybody. Come on, sing along at home if you know the words. But yeah, I, I think that's it. And again, that's a song that kind of feels a bit like Daughters. It's yeah. a nice vibe that washes over you. Yeah. Um, and oh, that's one of my favourite... Um, uh, my favourite lyrics, I think, of his. Um, you put your feet up in the getaway car. Yeah. Wow. It's just lovely, that, isn't it? Wow. Because it's just like, yeah, you're getting away, but not with any sense of urgency. Yeah. You've got your feet up. There's like, it's one of those lyrics that really jumps out at me. Yeah. Uh, that you go, wow. That, it's just, 
there's some masterful. That's the Swiss watch thing all over to me. That's the you know you could say this in a, as many different ways as you possibly yeah. can, but that simplicity of just being like that is a thing in that one little line. You know exactly the vibe. You know, I, I just love him. Yeah, I love him. He's fantastic. I realised when we started this that I didn't ask you one of the key questions of the podcast. I, do you know what? As well, I've been thinking about this answer for ages, for really? weeks even. Really, you okay. haven't even asked me. So now's the time for the routine question. <laughs> <laughs> so if I say to you. It's your tea break, right? Oh, yes. And I know that obviously the question, if, if we're taking your two jobs into account, mm-hmm. if I say to you, um, you know, it's it's your tea break at the gym, you might go, well, I'm going to have a delicious C4. <laughs> <laughs> quench my thirst. Quench my thirst. And with a cosmic up, rainbow. With a cosmic rainbow. <laughs> I'm going to have some intra-workout with some BCAA, right? That's going to be a different thing. But maybe that's not the vibe we're going for. You can answer this question however you want. Right. It's your tea break. Yeah. What are you having? Well, I wanted to I wanted to try and be different from Alex, um, but it would be hot chocolate, but with warm milk. Okay. Like, not, not water. Yes, okay. You have okay. to warm the milk at first and then yeah. put the chocolate in. So like a high effort hot chocolate. Yeah. And do you like all the paraphernalia? Do you like all the, all the trimmings? <laughs> the trimmings, if you like. Yeah. Um, I can I can leave marshmallows. They can they can get in the bin. Uh, but definitely whipped cream. <laughs> so they can get in the bin. <laughs> Not a fan of those guys. No. Um, but yeah, whipped cream. If I'm feeling particularly indulgent. Okay, interesting. Bailey's hot chocolate this time of year as no, well. Absolutely not. I'm not really? A fan. Yeah. Okay. I'm not a fan. So quite a specific, strict hot chocolate. Right? Yeah. I don't actually. Dr- I mean, I'm about to contradict myself massively because <laughs> I had a cup of tea when I got here. Yes, you did. Yeah. I don't really drink hot drinks. Did, did you do that to save face? <laughs> you just be polite. <laughs> you like? A cup of, well, I said, would you like a drink? And you said, yes, I'd love a cup of tea. I know. I have I cold drinks that. as well. <laughs> I have a tap that provides water, you know. What is that fandango? I've also got thing? Diet Coke in the fridge as well. So. <laughs> no, I don't usually drink hot drinks. I only tend to drink them if I'm cold or sort of in the winter months. Okay. But yeah. Not they... a tea in the morning person thing. No. Person thing. Not a tea in the morning person. Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm broke. <laughs> so interesting. So like you're just more of a cold drink person generally. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. I don't know why. I've, it's, it's, I always wish I was that type of person that can just sort of stand holding a little mug. Yeah. Just mm, taking in the mm, so taking it's in the, day. the aesthetic as it is. Yeah, yeah. It makes me think of, I don't know why, made me think of the um, Bo Burnham sketch where it's uh, White Woman's Instagram. When yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think of when people hold cups of tea. Mm, yeah, like that warming sensation yeah. in hands. And to be fair... Whatever people say, that is definitely part of it. And it's the part of the shared experience. We've had a cup of tea together. You know, yeah. that's that's a thing. It's a social thing, isn't it? Yeah. And I think that's... I've never necessarily felt that with a hot chocolate. Now, this is not me going in on your choice in any way, shape or form, because I think it's a fantastic choice. <laughs> but it's on these things where outside of a Christmas market, it's not something where you go, oh, should we go out and have hot chocolate? No, it you sounds know, quite childish, doesn't it? Hot chocolate, everyone, well. you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get the milk going, you know. It's like, it doesn't happen, does it? But whereas tea, it doesn't even happen with coffee as much. No, I guess not. And you don't drink much coffee, do you? No, no. no well, let's not I've get tried, into that. <laughs> I've tried. We all know. I get really people get so judgy when I say I don't drink coffee. It's like I'm just spat in the face or something. Do you think people judge you more for that than not drinking tea as much? Uh, yeah. Really? Yeah. I get, oh, what? You don't like coffee? Yeah. I'm interesting. I don't want my breath to smell like <laughs> manure. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Should work in marketing. <laughs> Tea for those of you who don't want your breath to smell like manure. No, but I've tr- I've tried recently, and you've mocked my choice of coffee because yeah. I have to start. I had to start in like a real baby level. Yeah. Um, okay. So it was sort of just pre-made mm. drinks. I did. I send you a picture once. I've got like a skinny latte for like Starbucks cold one, and you were like, "That's pathetic." Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not the same thing. Is it? <laughs> no, <laughs> that is pathetic. Very extreme of me. Yeah. But I feel like my my first delving into coffee. I made sure that I had like a really good one because mm. that way you know if you like it or not. And I think that's, to me, that's something I've tried to carry into everything that I do. Yeah. So for example, like, um, <laughs> <laughs> if when I've been like, I don't like pretzels. Right. I, I, this is really random, but stay with me. But 
I had a pretzel yeah. in Amsterdam that came from a bakery that was professing to have some of the best pretzels in Europe and I didn't enjoy it. And I thought, well, if I didn't enjoy it there, I'm not going to enjoy it anywhere. <laughs> right. And you've never eaten a pretzel. Never, and I haven't eaten one since. <laughs> but that makes sense, right? So like to me, if you go, Jeff, I'm going to get into coffee, I'd go, right, well. Let's, triple espresso. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I'd go, right, let's pick like, this cafe in this place that I know, that's one of the best coffees I've had. I see what you mean. And you'd go, ah, well, yeah, okay, well, I didn't enjoy that. And yeah. we go, right, well, that's the end of your coffee journey then. Because <laughs> that, the can stuff... Now you can leave the building. Now you can leave. That's the end of our friendship. <laughs> but, like, I think with, with coffee in particular, like, depending on how much I want the coffee, like, instant coffee mm-hmm. is my worst nightmare. But if I am shattered and I want a hot drink, I will drink it. I will tolerate it. Yeah. On the basis that it's something like coffee. However... If I'd just tried that, I'd have given up on coffee years yeah. ago. Whereas if I know that there's certain places, like there's a place in Oxford called George Street Social, mm-hmm. and their flat white is absolutely amazing. And every time I go to Oxford, I try and get one. Even if I get one and take out and just walk away, yeah. I will always have one because it's just, it's masterful stuff. Oh. It's like the perfect blend of like strong, but not bitter, but it's not creamy to the point where it's just hot milk. Yeah. It's a nice thing. And you feel like it's it smells, it smells like coffee should. You come away from it and you go, that was a good experience. You know? <laughs> I enjoyed that 10 out of 10. Exactly. Yeah. But that and that that's kind of what I mean in the sense <coughs> that sure, you might have enjoyed the Starbucks thing in a can, but <laughs> But probably because it's got a tremendous amount of sugar in it. Yeah, it's probably the, yeah that's probably why I enjoyed it. Yeah, particular type. Absolutely. But I always have, I've got quite an not an embarrassing coffee story, but I remember um, just standing outside the Starbucks in town. Yeah. When it sort of first opened, and this guy had a tray with little cups in of different types of coffee, and he was like, "Oh, would you like one the free?" And I was like, "Oh no, thank you. Uh, I don't like coffee." And he's like, "What?" I was like, "I don't like I don't like coffee, so you can keep your cup." <laughs> It pretty much forced me to try coffee. Okay. And he was like, this is the weakest one you can have. Go nuts. So I just drank it and I just spat it back in the cup in front of him and put it back on his tray. <laughs> God. But the thing is, though... I was like, mm, told you. But why would you. Why would you go for the weakest? This is the thing. It's a little bit like saying, oh, um, you don't like red wine. Uh, let me just put a ton of water in it. And you go, all right, well, you're not enjoying that. Oh, what a surprise. Yeah. It's like... Like all things in life, and this is going to sound very deep, it's about balance, oh. right? In the sense that if someone gave you your first cup of tea and they just gave you 90% milk, you'd go, that is terrible. That, and that, very good point. It has to be made right. And that is the same when it comes to, like, when it comes to to music, it's exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. But also, it kind of, the, the two things heavily lean into each other. It's all about the recommendations you get from people. True. And the way that you're introduced to stuff. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if I said, right, we're going to go... To the, we're going we're gonna to go to Oxford to get a coffee. You'd go, yeah, okay, presumably. And and, and you'd enjoy, I think you'd enjoy that coffee. Yeah. Sure, it would give you a, a real baseline in terms of, right, well, any time I enjoy coffee, I have to drive I've got on. to go to bloody Oxford. <laughs> it's going to take me 180 miles to get there. You go, right, okay, that's that's a thing. But to me, that's how I've discovered some of my favourite bands. Oh, like when people yeah. have gone, oh, I love this band so much. Yeah. This is the best song you should listen to. Like our interaction with Last, Last Train Home. Yeah. You go, I enjoy this so much. This makes me feel a certain way. I hope you feel that way when you hear it too. Yeah. I think it's exactly the same with any kind of hot drink oh. because there's so many ways you can get it wrong. Well, yeah. <laughs> Evidently. <laughs> so many ways you can get it wrong. No, Absolutely. I agree. I agree with that. So time for the critical questions. Okay. Right. Let's go. So I'll set the scene. Same questions as ABC got. Yep. And you've had time to think about it, which, you know, whatever way you think I don't about. even know if that will help. <laughs> okay, very interesting. So you have just gone for the interview for your dream job, Ooh, right? Yeah. And you've come out of the interview and you've got the job. Presumably you're getting in the car and you're putting some music on. Mm-hmm. What is the first song that you listen to? Oh... What would my celebration track be? Um, Are you an optimistic? Are you a a viber in that sense? Would you go for something that really feels celebratory? Yeah. To be honest, I probably put some like dance banger on. Okay. Just just some like either deep house or like EDM track just to really. Just relish in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So it's like a kind of a feeling thing rather than going for like, what is your 
favourite song. Yes. It, there's no, you no, know, there wouldn't be a favourite song. It'd just be a vibe. Okay, a interesting. vibe. Do you have a favourite song ever? It's a very difficult question. It's like, like when someone asks you what your favourite film is, I can't ever answer that either. No, exactly. Um, do I have a favourite song? At the risk of boring you to tears, I'm sure I've said this to you before, and I might have even said it on the last podcast, that it's like the film, favourite film, favourite food, favourite song, etc., and what you think is the best are two yeah. very different things because it's like what you, it's like what you're hungry for mm-hmm. and what you know that you mostly eat yeah. are two different questions. Yeah. So it's like what you're hungry for musically if that makes sense <laughs> that's a different that could be that's your favourite song right now isn't it in the sense that if you if you what if you were to get in the, if, if, you, if it had happened to you right now mm-hmm. what song in terms of songs that you listen to right now what would be the one that you would vibe to in terms of in, yes that's my positive song at the moment um, what's my positive song at the moment I'm trying to think of aside from the Christmas stuff who I've had on. Do you know, I've, there's a really nice, there's a really good artist that I love listening to and he's relatively sort of new, unheard of, um, called Jack Kane. And his voice right. is just delightful. Oh, it's okay. so smooth. What kind of music is it then? Um, is it more electronic stuff or is it? No, not at all. It's, okay. He's got a really soulful voice. Mm. It's, it's brilliant. It's just, it's lovely. And I don't, but I've been listening to him. I like listening to sort of new upcoming artists. Oh, okay. So, so just do you know when you when they say you've got an album on? Yeah. And then Spotify just goes off on its own little yeah, tangent. Does it thing, and right? you're like, oh, who's this? That's yeah. I like doing that. And then you just hear new people. So which of his songs then? Would you um, would you say? Are there any of his that have that kind of positive vibe that you go, yeah, I've just got my job. That sounds great. No, actually it's more sort of like around heartbreak and stuff. Right. Okay. But it's quite it's just so infectious to listen to okay. and I'll just put it on and on again it's, I think it's called Gold right okay and it's, it's a great track oh, I'll have to have a listen to that then. yeah so yeah so I'm going to have to I'm going to have to push you for an answer with one specific track that you're going to put on as your celebratory oh thing. no so under pressure um it'll be do you know hmm what would I put on I don't have to know it, by the way. You just, you just have to know it. You can make this up. What, as in keep it a secret? <laughs> yeah, and that's it. And nobody ever finds it's out. It's like the monk joke. <laughs> it's like the monk joke. You don't get to know because you're not a monk. <laughs> exactly. Um, let's have a thing. It's probably a, a Queen track. Um, let's go. Mm. Radio. Like Queen. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Radio Gaga, is in yeah. the yeah, great song, absolutely. Just so you can, have, you can absolutely just have a great sing song. I love singing in the car. Yeah, me too. Yeah, so I'll probably put something like that on. Ace, what a great choice. Yeah. So let's flip it on its head. Yeah. You come out and you've not got the job. What are you listening to? I fancy a good cry. Um... I thought you were going to cry then. <laughs> I could hear it in your voice. Actress. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just go to that part of my uh, my being. Um, probably. Just something really sad. Celine Dion. She can move you to tears. Yeah. What a woman. What a woman. She's got a lovely voice. She has, yeah. Yeah. So which one of hers? It's all coming back to me now. I thought you were going to say that, actually, yeah. It makes me think of all the TikToks as well. Oh, I've never seen any. Really? Where people do like the visual effects for the key change, isn't it? Never seen. Right, well, that's another thing we're doing after this. (laughs) (laughs) It's great, like, people do the, like, it's on the key change bit on your thing. Oh. What is wrong with my voice today? <laughs> I cannot get there. <laughs> Never seen it. Like and it's like, and people do it, and like people are behind with like bed sheets oh. and stuff, um, and people with hair dryers. Yeah, oh, and, I oh, I'll show you. Yeah. I mean, it's great. It's a spectacular thing. It's kind of like one of the best things about TikTok. Not obviously not. <laughs> I think you're say it's one of the best things in my life. <laughs> it's one of the best things I've ever seen. <laughs> and you, you name it. Okay, yeah, okay. So it's all coming back to me now. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I obviously associate with her uh, with. Um, my heart will go on being mm. in that thing. And obviously that's pure sadness, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it is. Um, She's just got that sort of like ghostly voice. Yeah, there is something ghostly about her voice, isn't there? Something wraith-like. I knew you were going to say that, so I started laughing. Looks away, can't She's look so... at me. There's something very wraith-like about it. So ghoulish. <laughs> Such a very ghoulish voice. <laughs> oh, dear. But you're right, that you know, it, there's a... You know, there's some people who have those kind of um, those voices that have that kind of sadness. I feel like it's, I don't know why the person I'm thinking of, not in terms of sadness, but mm-hmm. in terms of coolness, coolness in a voice is like Johnny Cash to me. Yeah. That kind of depth. And yeah. you go, this, you know, he's singing about 
prisons and things like that. And you go, if anyone's going to do it, it's a man with a voice like this, right? And Celine, (laughs) first name (laughs) Celine. Celine, which is the name of Mr. G's dog, isn't it? In (laughs) in Summer Heights. Celine. (laughs) This is the brain. Don't don't rub your bow on Meredith, Celine. (laughs) (laughs) I can't even speak. What? Oh, that's great. But Celine, yeah, Celine's great. Celine has got Celine has got the vibes when it comes to the sadness. Yeah, she and you know, has. in many ways, so is the artist we chose today. So yeah. I'm surprised, interesting that you didn't go for a John Mayer song after, but not because you have to. <laughs> I mean, he's the topic of conversation. He but is. I'd, even though he's he writes sad songs, I don't always find them sort of emotive in terms of no. oh, well, that's a really it, it does it in such a good way. Yeah, they don't come away like. Yeah. Oh, you probably never put it on. I probably never put it on again. I'm like, well, that's depressing. Yeah, absolutely. He's, um, yeah, I just quite enjoy. He's he's an artist that I like to listen to, but yeah, yeah not because he, he, I want to be sad. No, no, fair enough. Absolutely. I might do what I do. Um, do when I'll text you and I go, oh, I, I want to have a good cry. What film can I watch? <laughs> <What> film <laughs> I'll do that with a song next, and be like, I need a good cry, Jeff. What song can I listen to? That's really interesting because it's like there's certain songs that might that really get to me for different reasons in that sense. Um. But I think when it comes to films, that's a lot easier. Yeah. Because you can follow an arc, you can follow a story. Weirdly, one of my one of my favourite songs, and it comes from a film, is actually Come What May from Moulin Rouge. Ah. I, and I know that he's not, Ewan McGregor's not even sort of like a classically trained singer, but I just love it. Yeah. Like, I, that, that is a song that will probably move me to tears. Yeah. If I put it on, it makes me feel so sad. Have you thought about going to see it on West End? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'd love to. I, I don't know. It was done so well, mm. sort of, as a film. I'm a little bit nervous. Do you know when you just think, I don't want it to be ruined? Yes. I know, I I'm that. sure it won't, because why would it exist if, no. they, if they're not going to have a great cast? But, sure. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed what they did with that. Because so. I saw a clip of uh, Aaron Tavir, you know, the one who played Ange Ras in the film version of Les Mis? Mm-hmm. Um, him playing, I think he's playing that part, actually, yeah. um, on Broadway absolutely wow. amazing. And I think there's some really good people in it on the West End at the moment. Yeah. I was only looking at it yesterday, actually, weirdly. Um, mm. But yeah, I think, uh, I think to be honest with you, there are certain, again, musicals is probably a good place to go to for those sad songs as well, right? I think because it just brings, you you suddenly think about the film, don't you, in the circumstances. But God, yeah, what a beautiful, beautiful song. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, I think uh, there have been a couple of times where it's like, I've had um, Hamilton on shuffle and I've got to like, it's quiet uptown. And it was like when I was living at home and <laughs> my sister messaging me being like, what is wrong? <laughs> you know, like, why are you listening to that in the shower? Is everything okay? You know, and, and to be fair as well, like there's been a few times, like when I was at uni, I was this, I remember listening to um, the Mozart Requiem in the bath because I'd got to do some analysis thing on it. And, <laughs> and like one of my flatmate, Sam came home and was like, oops, scary bath time. <laughs> <laughs> and you get immediately people think if you're listening to that you've got that energy um, and again i'll leave you with this one i remember can you picture the beginning of hunchback of notre dame yes you know when it starts with the voices like yeah and then it, then the, they go driving along the m40 listening to that <laughs> and i was in the inside lane and i was I was, I was just coming across and basically it was like a bridge in the way and it was all the kind of soft bit. And as it kicked in, I was just starting to be looking over to the left and as it kicks in, it revealed a field full of sheep. And I've <laughs> never laughed so much in my life because it was like, what is so severe about these sheep? <laughs> and I was like laughing for the rest of the, like, like not for the rest of the journey because I'm getting so, I laughed for two hours, you know. But I was like, I was looking at it, I was like, it was like they were being perfect. revealed on the perfect, yeah. the perfect cut and it's oh. just like, duh, duh, duh. <laughs> Speaking of which, that is, I think that is my favourite Disney film. Do you know what? I thought you were going to end the podcast then. No, speaking of which, bye. Yeah. <laughs> I genuinely thought you were going to do that. I just oh. remembered. Oh, okay. What, what is your, just a tangent, what is your favourite Disney film? Um, tough one. Probably. Alice in Wonderland, okay. maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm locking it in, Alice yeah, in Wonderland. I'm locking it in, okay. And 
The answer is yes. It's Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> yeah. You are correct. The choice you've made is correct. I just yeah, I was I was leaning towards that or Sleeping Beauty. But, okay, um, like so the classics then. Yeah, definitely. the golden age of Disney. Very much so. Interesting. Just I just I don't know what it is because it's not. I'm not sort of a massive princess fan or okay. anything like like that. But yeah, yeah. I just yeah, Alice in Wonderland. I think again because it's not a princess. No, it's, story. It's completely mental. But I always just, it, it, I, I have good memories of watching that with my granddad and just sticking the VHS in. Yeah, And then okay. just, just loved it. Yeah, Absolutely I loved it. Have you done any of the, um, I know because we've spoken about Oxford before, have you done any of the Lewis Carroll stuff in Oxford? No. Okay, interesting. Maybe that ties in with the coffee then. We're going to go for a yeah, coffee. Let, let's go now. <laughs> <laughs> 10 p.m. It's like, oh, it's shut. Oh, it's shut and it's dark and I can't see any of the things, yeah. That's it. But yeah, um, we'll talk about that more. Uh, we'll, we'll take this offline. We'll take this offline if you like. But yeah, that's um, there's a lot of great history there because he, I think he was a lecturer there yeah. and, uh, when he was writing it and stuff like that. So wow. it's, yeah, there's um, so there's a lot of lot of history and stuff like that and things that influenced it. So it was so Alice in Wonderland certainly played a big part in my university experience. Oh. I, uh, in third year, some of my friends put on a production of it and they yeah. put it in. Um, in the grounds of this old hall. And, yeah. Um, it was really good and stuff like that. But it's again, like you say, it's not something I associate. It's not conventional Disney. It's just a retelling of a great children's story. Right? Yeah. I like, it's one of those as well. Like that is, I was keen to see all the remakes yes. that they brought out of that. Cause I was like, huh, curious how they're going to do this. Never seen the Tim Burton one, actually. It's, it's obviously classic Tim Burton. It's yes. very unusual mm. way of telling the story, but he's still brilliant. So there you have it. That is the end of episode five of the the podcast you've have you had fun i've had a great time <laughs> fantastic so have i sensational sensational <laughs> thank you for listening uh we will see you on our next tea break